Turn your Bibles today to Mark chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, we should have it on the screens here for you just in a minute. Uh, we started a series last week entitled, What If? Uh, you saw on the, uh, the screens here just a minute ago um, that we are having community groups. They launched today. Um, if you've never been a part of a community group here at Urban Church, I want to encourage you as you walk back out uh, to check out the community groups that we have to offer uh, this time. They run for about uh, 10 weeks or so. Then we take a break and then we relaunch them. Uh, we do that for a couple of reasons. We do that because um, we want to give our community group leaders a break, but we also do that for um, commitment sake. So those of you that sign up for it and you say, man, I want to be a part of a community group, and you get involved, um, that you can commit just for 10 weeks, and then, hey, your commitment ends. Um, I understand our culture and that we live in a culture that might not be as committed as previous cultures, and so we want to give people an out, um, but we also want to give our, our community group uh, leaders a break, and so they're going to run for about 10 weeks. So when you sign up for that, don't think that, man, I'm signing up and I'm committing to this for life, okay? Um, that's marriage when you get married. Come on, somebody. And that's a beautiful thing. That's a life thing. This is a community group, 10 weeks long, and uh, you're not married to it, and just love for you to check it out. As a matter of fact, you sign up, we get you more information, you come check it out a couple times, you say, maybe that community group wasn't for me, that's fine, we can get you in another one, or you can just say, you know what, I'm going to pause, and I'm just going to come to the most rocking church in San Diego on Sunday morning. All right, a couple of you believe that, come on, uh, the rest of you will uh, after I preach, come on somebody. And so uh, anyway, we started What If, uh, what if last Uh, last week. And uh, this thought came to me in a prayer time, what if? And I I don't know about you, but I'm a bit of a dreamer. And so sometimes I get in that dream mode and I ask myself those questions, what if? What if I won, you know, the $47 billion lottery? I don't even know how to count that high, but what if, right? And, uh, you know, I I get in that dream mode and I just think, man, what if I had a Lamborghini? I probably would have wrecked it by now, right? Why a Lamborghini? Just because it's fast. Come on, somebody. I I like going fast in my Jeep, so... Uh, you know, what if, and I find myself asking these, myself these questions, what if, you know, everybody actually showed up at the start of worship? Well, <laughs> oh, you guys have worship at this church? Yes, you miss it every week because you're, you're 20 minutes late, but it's okay. Yeah, we actually do sing some songs and stuff. It's pretty cool. But, um, you know, and I asked myself these what if questions. And so in a prayer time one day, I felt like, like God was almost asking me what if. And uh, so coming up on January 29th, I'm asking everyone that, that, that is here right now, and uh, we're going to be doing a mailer. I want as many people as possible to come on January 29th, because I, I also ask myself this question as a pastor, what if everyone that calls Urban Church home actually showed up on the same day? I mean, what would that look like? Well, show up on the 29th and you'll find out, okay? What would that look like? What, what, what if on that Sunday we all worshiped God with the most passion that we could, we could come up with? What would happen? I mean, if everyone that, that calls Urban their home showed up, every seat packed and the worship starts, what if everybody just said, you know, I'm going to worship God with everything today? What would that atmosphere be like? Yeah. January 29th, don't miss it. I'm asking everybody, what if on that day you brought your greatest prayer request, your greatest need, and, and you actually believe that God was going to answer it on that day? Man, the anticipation, the expectancy that would be in the atmosphere when you walked in saying, I believe that today God is going to answer my prayer. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. Why does it matter if it's on that day? Man, there's something happens when we all bring our faith together and we all come together believing and expecting. What if, what if is this, is what if every single one of us not only showed up that call Urban home, but what if we all brought one person? Wow. Okay. What if? What if we all on that day brought our greatest offering, our greatest tithe, our greatest offering, and and gave it on that day? 
And so my mind has been just racing, my heart's been, you know, just kind of thinking over time. I've been praying about this, and so I want to encourage, I want to ask you, maybe you're here checking us out for the first time, and, and you're like, okay, this is an okay church, but I'm going to church shop some more. I understand that, okay? But on the 29th, could you come back here? And, and could you bring somebody, and could you bring your greatest need? And we're going to pray, we're going to believe that God's going to answer that, amen? And so what if? Last week we talked about what if. Uh, we faced all the giants in our life with the right perspective. And man, it was a great time together. If you missed that, you can watch it online. I've gotten a lot of emails and Facebooks about how that's already helped them and, and impacted them. Met with some people this week, and we talked about those, those very things. How can we overcome the giants? What if we had the right perspective? And, and we, we just took those things head on like David did. Well, today I want to talk to you about this. What if we truly understood the value of community? Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says this, and when he returned to Capernaum, Capernaum was his home, it was the center of the ministry of Jesus. After some days, it was reported that he, Jesus, was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. Let me, let me make this clear. I love the way Mark tells stories. You know, he says there's no more room. Now let me make this really clear. When I mean no more room, I mean you couldn't even get through the doorway. The place was absolutely packed. People were hanging out of the windows. People were crowding around the doors. There were a lot of people in there. And what did he do? And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic. Now, the word paralyzed means to be brought to a place of stoppage or inability to act. Okay, so this person was unable to get there by himself. And so now some people come, and with those people are four guys carrying a guy. And they came bringing him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him, why couldn't they get near him? That's right. It was crowded. Thank you. You're listening to the story. It was packed. There wasn't even, you know, there was no way in. Okay. They could not get near him because of the crowd. They removed the roof. Shut up. This is a pretty cool story. They removed the roof. I don't know whose home this was. A lot of people believe it was Peter's home. And so I don't know if Peter was cool with that. But he's about to become cool with it, all right? They, they ripped off his roof. <laughs> and they had uh, made an opening. They let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. Now, this is probably one of my, my favorite passages in Mark. And there's so much. I just the Mark is like always in a hurry when he's telling stories. That's why he's got the shortest gospel of the four, right? And he just kind of gets right to it. Man, they ripped open a roof. They let him down, Okay. If you go to Luke's account of this, it's a little more drawn out, you know, but Mark's is just like, hey, boom, 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 okay? But now, I, I've preached out this passage before, and one of the things that I ask myself when I'm, when I'm preaching out of this passage, and one of the things I notice is this, is that they rip open this roof, and it says they let him down. My question is this, the man is paralyzed. Why not just drop him down in front of Jesus? Has anybody else ever thought that before, right? I mean, he's already, no, well, you did now, all right? Man's paralyzed, okay? Just boom, get him to Jesus as quick as you can. Come on, Mark, right? They let him down after they had ripped off somebody's roof. They made the opening. They let him down uh, on the bed, which the paralytic lie. And when Jesus saw their faith, highlight that part, because that will mess with someone's theology right there. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are Forgiven. Well, what did he really mean? Well, I don't know, but let's look at the verse number 12. 
And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all. Now look at this. So that they were all amazed. How many? All. Amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. That's a cool story. We've never seen anything like this. Lord, I pray that you'd help me preach your word in the next few moments that we have together. God, I pray that as we leave this place, we would leave uh, uplifted in our spirit. God, we would leave having uh, come to a place of knowing you in a greater way. Uh, Lord, many of us would leave challenged. Uh, Some of us would leave corrected. But all of us would leave encouraged today. And I pray as we make our way out, we would find a community group to sign up in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you real quickly about what if we truly understood the value of community? What if we truly understood the value of community? What is community? Uh, The definition is this. It's a social, religious, occupational, or other group sharing common characteristics or interests. Okay? So the church is a community. What is our common interest? What is our common goal? It's Jesus. Okay? Uh, that, you know, no matter what church you attend, that should be the commonality in all churches that we're about Jesus. We love Jesus. We preach Jesus. We believe that he's the way, the truth, the life, that no one gets to God the Father except through him. It doesn't matter if, if some of your doctrine is a little bit different than ours. It doesn't matter if some of your theology is a little bit different than ours. What, what, what brings us all together as the body of Christ is this, is that Jesus is, all right? He is. He is the centerpiece. He is the focal point. That is what brings us together. That's why you can go to another church and you can sense the same presence there. Why? Because Jesus. So Jesus is our, he is what brings us together. He is what makes us a community. He is what makes us a body. He is what, he is, he is what causes us to stick together. Okay? He is that focal point. He is that interest. Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4 do a great job of painting the picture of a, of a community of a church. And if you want to jot those down, look at them later. Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4. Uh, Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4 talk about um, not just the value of the community, but what community is doing within the church. It talks about how they had all things in common. Why did they have all things in common? Because they were bringing the things that they possessed and said, hey, they don't belong to me. They belong to him. And they were laying them at the feet of the apostles, which would be like the, the feet of the pastors and the leaders of the church. And what were the, what were the, the apostles and the leaders doing? Uh, they were patting their pockets. No, just kidding. They were taking that. It was just a joke, people. They were taking that, and they were looking at the community. Now, here's something you're going to notice when you you study Scripture. Primarily and first foremost, it was for the people of the church. When they brought this stuff, it wasn't for outreach purposes. It was to bless, edify, encourage, build up, strengthen those in need that said, I'm a part of the church. I'm a part of the community. Then out of that, the overflow was, okay, now we have excess. How can we do outreach? There are benefits to being a part of the church. And here we see in Acts, it talks about how they gave themselves daily to the word. They devoted themselves to the, the teaching of the apostles. Man, they, they, they had love feasts, the breaking of bread. They were, they were a tight-knit community. But the cool thing is this, is that it wasn't just like a little house bless me club. We see that through that, the Bible actually talks about, and they begin to increase and grow in number until there were just so many of them. And they were meeting at the Rhodes house, and they were meeting at the Brinkman's house, and they were meeting at at Elena's house, and and then they would come together corporately. And this was a massive movement that was taking place, but yet they still had community. I firmly believe that you can be a large church, but still have community within the church. There were like 3,000-something people that called themselves a part of that movement, but yet they had great community. The New Testament church understood the value of community. 
They understood that community offered a place to receive, but it also offered a place for people to give of their gifts, their talents, their treasures. And it also offered a place where you could grow. Community offers those things. A church offers those things. But here's what I realize. It's not just a church thing. Everybody, whether they're a Christian or not a Christian, everybody's looking for a place to belong. Everybody's looking for a community. Right? You remember Cheers? Sometimes you want to go. Yeah. So you might have never even seen the show, but you know the song, right? That, that's just something that is inside of us. We want to find a place where we can connect with people. We want to find a place where we can belong. We want to find a place where we can be accepted. We want to find that, that avenue, that, that community. Are you with me this morning? That is something that is inside of everybody, and that is something the church has to offer. That, that when someone's in need, we can pray for them. When someone's financially in need, we can provide for them. I mean, this last couple months, Thanksgiving through Christmas, man, we had people step up and buy Thanksgiving dinners for people in our church. It wasn't just outreach. It wasn't just the schools. It was right here. We did the giving tree, and man, hundreds of gifts were given away to people right here in our church. What is that? That's the New Testament picture. That's community, giving to one another. I think that's a pretty cool thing. Here's the problem with community, though. We live in a consumer-driven society where we actually believe that, that, that everything out there exists for us. It's true that, that we actually believe that this exists for me. And we're in this consumer-driven mentality that if I want it, I'll get it because I need it, I want it, I deserve it, whatever it might be. And so we go after it and we believe that stuff exists for us. Now that mentality has, has kind of crept into the church. And so now we, we have consumer-driven churches. What can church do for me? Okay, Let me prove it to you. When you start looking for a community to get involved in, when you start looking for a church to get involved in, is the first question you ask yourself, hey, how can I contribute to this community? Or is the first question you ask yourself, hey, I wonder what I can get out of this. Well, (laughs) I like that person already. Do we look around and we say, hey, okay, well, let's browse through the community groups after church. Let's see if they have anything for me. Maybe you go to the parent group and you're looking over there because you've got kids. And you're like, well, I mean, I'm a pretty good parent. I don't, you know, I don't really need anybody to help me become a I'm a good parent, so I don't need that one. Or maybe God's saying you need to become a part of that because you are a good parent and you have something to offer to the other ones that need help. But see, because we're in such a consumer-driven culture, we look at it with the wrong perspective. What, what can they do for me? What can I get? I'll go to the ladies' event, but what, what benefit is there for me? What if? We truly understood the value of community. What if we realized that it's not all about us? What if, ladies and gentlemen, we came to the realization that the the greatest part about community is not what I can get out of it, but what I can contribute to it? I mean, after all, if the scripture is true and it's more blessed to give than to receive, then why wouldn't we all say, hey, man, this church needs some more of this, and this church, I can go and I can contribute to that. Rather than saying, I don't know, man, the music at the church, it's not quite my style. And, you know, the preacher, he's really good. Thanks. You know, but I don't know. He doesn't, he doesn't teach the way I want to teach. And he doesn't necessarily, now listen to me, don't get me wrong. Are there mutual benefits? Do you get something out of community? Absolutely. But I believe with all my heart that too often times we are missing the value of community and church because we are looking at it for what we can get out of it rather than what we can contribute to it. Listen to me, Jesus Christ did not come to the earth because of what he could get out of it. I'm going to go die, yeah! 
His whole purpose was to, for God so loved the world that he, doesn't say that he got, he gave. The whole premise of Christianity is, man, I, I, I realize who he is and what he's done in my life, and I can't contain it here. I got to go give it away to somebody else. I got to give. I got I to I distribute that. See, now think about it. What would happen if we all bought into this consumer-driven Christian thought, which a lot of us have? I mean, we would all be take, 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 but then all of the people, the crowd is missing out because no one is giving out. And then we miss the very essence of why Jesus Christ came to give his life. Here at Urban, I, I mentioned earlier, our existence statement, just take the first part of it, it's real simple. I exist to be an access point for people to discover Jesus Christ. Once you discover him, I'm not here for you any longer. Pastor, that's brutal. You mean you won't help me in my time of need? No, I will. I'll pray for you. Absolutely. But there are thousands more just like you in need, but you got the answer. They don't. I, I honestly, the, 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 the very existence statement of Urban is, is not, hey, come and get fed deep theological insights. Will you get that? You'll get that through our community groups. Join USM, Urban School of Ministry. Well, how much does that cost? It's just, just cover the, co- the cost of the paper, and you can take it. Really? Yeah. Wednesday nights. But right here, you know what, you know what we're about? We just want to reach people for Jesus. And so what do we do? We encourage people to live that life, and we encourage people that are here that are far from him to come and receive what we've received. Why? Because we've learned something, that it's not about what we can get, but it's about what we can give. The moment we, we, we buy into that consumer-driven thought, we become just like the crowd in Mark chapter 2. We're clogging the doorway. But yet there's people that are paralyzed. That need to come in. Yet there's a community trying to carry somebody to, oh, now there's no room. Man, but what if we really understood the value of community? What if? What, what could take place? What could take place if all of us realized that, man, this, I am not here for what I can get, but I'm here for what I could give. Because then you actually get what you need because you're given. That's deep theology right there. Mark chapter 2, I, I love this story. There are three different uh, types of people represented in Mark chapter 2. Uh, there, are, there, there is, the, there is the, the committed, and here, I'll be honest with you, here at Urban, we are, we are very much kind of on the side of catering to the committed, although I felt challenged by the Holy Spirit to not be so catering to the committed, but we, we are. We, we want people to be committed. We want people to get involved, and we want people serving in a ministry, and we want people doing uh, personal evangelism throughout the week, but we understand something. Not everybody's just going to do that. And here in Mark chapter 2, we see that there are the the committed people. Those would be the people actually carrying the man to Jesus. We see that there's people in crisis. This guy, he's in crisis. He can't get to Jesus. What he so desperately needs, he can't get on his own. What people so desperately need in our community, they can't find it on their own. That's why the church exists. Amen, pastor. Thank you. It's good. That's why we exist. Because there are people just like this paralyzed guy that can't get to Jesus on their own. So he needs four buddies to come and say, hey, I'll take you. And then there's the crowd. Now listen to me. I love the crowd. Because all three of these are represented in this story. Really, all three are always represented in community. And all three are represented in the church. As a matter of fact, the biggest portion of, 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 of churches is the crowd. It doesn't matter if it's a mega church. It doesn't matter if it's a church of 50 people. 
the, the greatest population in the church is the crowd. Now, there is nothing wrong with the crowd. I love the crowd. Urban exists for the crowd. We exist for those that are far from God. That's why we preach the gospel. That's why we're doing what we're doing, because we want to take those people and bring them further along. And so there's the crowd, and that's completely okay. And in 2012, I believe God is challenging Urban, come on, to cater more to the crowd. That's why we're doing the book. March 4th is our book release. What's that book doing? That book is not, you know, some some little, you know, memorabilia that you can put on your bookshelf. That book is going to be a tract that you can hand out to family members and friends and say, look what Jesus has done in some people's lives. That book is for the crowd, and we want to reach more of the crowd. But what I love about the crowd is this, is that there we see the crowd, but then we see what happens to the crowd at the end. What do they do? They all glorify God like, wow, never, ever seen anything like that. But that would have never happened unless there was a person in crisis, and that would have never happened unless there was a community that said, hey, we know what to do with the person in crisis. And all of it came together, and there was the crowd, and the crowd gets blessed. Now think about this. What was going through the mind of the crowd? I've got a friend that Jesus, stay right there. I'm going to be right back. See what happens when the community steps out in faith and does something? It ministers to the crowd to the point where they're like, wow, like, I know somebody too, and i got to bring them to Jesus, and i got to bring them to church, and i got to get them. See, the crowd either moves from crowd to crisis or from crowd to committed. But either way is good. Because when they're in crisis, they're going to know they can call upon the name of Jesus. And when they're committed, they're going to go after some people and get them to Jesus. Amen? What if we understood the true value of community? I, I love this story because here it is. Jesus is back at home, and, and, he, and, he's, and he's in what most people believe to be Peter's house. And he's there, and the people hear that he's there, and they go and they crowd the place. And it's so packed out. Now, I love what the Bible says Jesus is doing. The Bible doesn't say that Jesus is wowing them with some awesome worship set. Right? And trust me, Jesus could have been a rock star. Have you seen the pictures he had? The hair. He was the original ZZ Top. Come on, somebody. He was the original Kid Rock, right, with the hair. I mean, he could have, he could have done some serious headbanging with that hair. Come on, you've seen the same pictures I have, right? Beautifully brushed, right? He wasn't wowing people with some guitar wrist. That was an key guitar right there, but you know what I mean? He wasn't, you know? He was doing one thing. He was preaching the gospel. Something to that. Something to the fact that there was a crowd and there was preaching. Something to that. If you actually just look at that word preaching, it's not he was teaching the word. He was actually proclaiming the gospel. This is what the word means. If you, he's proclaiming the gospel to unsaved people. It's pretty cool. Other places where it says he's in the synagogue and he's teaching, it was specifically he was teaching them. In this case, he was proclaiming the gospel to unsaved people. Jesus was all about the crowd. Jesus, man, you see the life of Jesus, and he called people to commitment, and it was awesome. He has disciples following. And listen, he didn't just have 12 disciples. He had many disciples, and he sent them out. The Bible says this, that before he would go into a city, he would send two of them in there. They would go, and they would prepare the place for him to come in and preach. He was about the crowd. I love watching Jesus' ministry because, yes, he withdrew with his disciples, and when he was alone, he taught them all things, but Jesus never, never hesitated to stop and minister to the crowd. Matter of fact, it was, it was when he saw the crowds that he got moved with compassion. 
And he began to do miracles for them. He began to, he began to heal them. He did, not, he did not come to them and say, okay, um, are you going to become a part of my church? Yeah, okay, then I'll pray for you. I'll do a miracle for you. I'll heal you. Okay? Did he call people to commitment? Absolutely. Is Jesus about commitment? Yeah, you know, eat my, eat my flesh, drink my blood. Whoa, what's that all about? That'll be another sermon for another time. Okay? He was all about commitment, but he never hesitated to stop and hear the cry of the crowd and minister to them where they were at. Such an awesome thing. Jesus was proclaiming the gospel to the unsaved person. Place is packed. The crowd is there. Now here comes some people on Mexican time. How do I know that? Because they can't even get in. They showed up late. Come on, somebody. They come. But what I love about the Mexicans is they show up with somebody. Come on. You thought I was knocking you, but they show up with somebody. See, all of us white people, we might be here early, but we ain't bringing nobody. I am one I can talk about us like that. Okay. Now, but you guys are bringing people. And so they show up, and they don't show up alone, man. They show up with somebody. They show us right here the power of community. This guy cannot get there on his own. And these people were all about Jesus. They didn't care there was a crowd. Man, look at the tenacity of these people. They get there. And that's what I love about the Mexicans. Come on, somebody. I'm feeling I, I, got, I got a little salsa in me this morning. I can feel it. Okay? A little Tabasco sauce. It's, had it on my eggs today. I'm ready. Okay? I love it. They don't look at the crowd and be like, oh. And then go home. Sorry, buddy. You're going to have to be paralyzed for another day. <laughs> no, they don't stop. They find a way to make it happen. The community found a way to make it happen. You know what I love about community? Community always finds a way to help out those in need. They, they don't look at the face of obstacles and say, you know what? It's not going to work today. They look at it and say, we're going to find a way. I don't know how many of them discovered. Obviously, someone discovered a way up on the roof. And then they get up there and, and somehow they, they use their skills and their gifts and things. And say, I know how to take off roof tiles. No, they probably weren't tiles. I understand that, but come on. And they removed them and they created a hole. And then somehow, some way, Goldilocks was there and they used her hair to lower the mat. I mean, think about it. How did they do that? Oh, Rapunzel. I'm sorry. Goldilocks sounds better. I need to catch up on my fairy tales with my daughters. I really am a good father, though. But That's right. Rapunzel, Rapunzel. It could have been Goldilocks. Jesus was there. He could have done a miracle and made her hair long. Where's your faith, people? My story. You shut up. Okay. Somehow they figure out a way to get the man down in front of Jesus. It's a pretty powerful story. Pretty powerful story. The value, man. What if we understood the true value of community? It wasn't what we could get, but what we could give. Because here's the reality. That guy could have been laying in his bed all day long thinking community is about what I can give, and I ain't got nothing to give. I can't even get there. But because someone understood the true value of community, you know what? It's not about what you can give. Watch, it's about what we can give to you. It's not about what you can get out of it. It's about what, you know, are you with me this morning? And they take him. 
I get them down there. What if? What if? We understood. Five guys. One on a mat. Four. There was obviously more of them. Look at this. Look at how many times it says they. And they came bringing. Four men carried him. And they could not get near. So they removed the roof. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed. This is my favorite one. And when Jesus saw their faith, their faith, their faith. He doesn't even see the faith of the man in the bed. It says when he sees their faith. He said, hey, son, because of their faith, your sins are forgiven. Which raises a big theological question. Whose faith really saves you? Well, now, Pastor, if you study it out, really what the Bible's saying is that they had enough faith to get him there, and because of their faith to get him there, I mean, he would have been saved anyway. Maybe, but God chose to use their faith that day to get him to Jesus. Look, I know what it's like to to pray for somebody and contend for somebody on a daily basis. I know what it was like to have my brother walk off the deep end, get involved in meth, lose his roofing business that he had, and and, and get messed up and lose his marriage, lose his kids, and and just literally being living homeless on the street. I know what it's like to take years and pray for him, and finally he gets to that place of returning back to Jesus. And I could be like that guy, uh, one of these guys right there, and Jesus would say, Ben, because of your faith. Because you prayed. I know what it's like to pray for for Katie's grandpa for the last 15 years. And now here he is on his deathbed with tears in his eyes, finally praying the prayer of repentance. Could it be because of our faith? Not giving up. Finally, he came to that place. I mean, think about this. Think about if it was just one guy that said, you know what, I've got to get you to Jesus. Could have he done it? Sure. The guy's paralyzed. Pick him up. Throw him on his shoulder. Could have got him there. Would have taken him a little longer. I would have to stop for a couple breaks. But look, they didn't just pick him up. They took his whole mat. And they used four, probably one for each corner would be my thinking. Either that or they're, they're, they're state employees and two are doing the work and two are supervising. I don't know. <laughs> but nonetheless, there's four of them. And in my thinking, I like to see one on each corner. But think if one guy said, you know what? My job doesn't matter today. And he dropped his corner. Oh. What if the two bad guys said, you know what, this is too difficult. You know, I'm not into community for what I can give. I'm into what, what I can get. And they just dropped the back. They probably could have still made it there. Would have been a little more difficult. What if three of them would have said, you don't forget this. I'm out. But no, they understood the value of community. They said, man, we're in this thing together. This is our community. We're going to get this guy there. And because they did their part, Jesus saw their faith. This is, this is not the only time it happens in Scripture. I love the story about Lazarus. Luke chapter 11, I think it is. The story of Lazarus. Lazarus dead, been in the tomb for four days. Jesus hears about it, comes. Mary's like, you know, hey, look, it's too late. Jesus says, no, I, I am the resurrection and the life. Yeah, Jesus, we know who you are, but this is about Lazarus right now, and he's, he's dead. No, Mary, you didn't hear me. I, I, I am the resurrection and the life. 
But Jesus, I mean, he's been there for four days. He's probably smelly now. If, you, if we get, what did Jesus say? Roll away the stone. Jesus didn't roll away the stone. He told the community to roll away the stone. Jesus called them forth, but when Lazarus came out of the tomb alive, the Bible says he was wrapped in grave clothes. And guess what Jesus did? Jesus looked at the community and said, hey, go and wrap him. Take off the grave clothes. Man, the power of community. Acts chapter 9, Tabitha Dorcas. Dead. Community's grieving. But their grieving moved them to action. And they go and find Peter. And they bring Peter back with them. Because of the community, Peter comes and she's raised to life. Those people truly understood that the value of community is not in what I can get, but in what I can give, what I can contribute, what I can do. Listen to me, I, I know there's the crowd here today, and I know there's those in crisis here today, and we want all of you a part of this church. Those in crisis today, we want to pray for you. Those that are in a crowd today and you're far from God, we want you to come and realize the same good God, the same good Savior that we have come to know. I mean, it's the most powerful thing we could ever do at Urban Church is proclaim the gospel to unsaved people. It's powerful. It's powerful. I love this story because the crowd gets rocked. The community gets blessed. The man has his sins forgiven. Because people understood the true value of community. Pastor, that's great. Mark chapter 2, love this story. How does, that, how does that affect me today? Let me ask you this question. What's your view of church? Is your view of church, you wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, playoff games today. We'll be done by the time they start. I watched them yesterday too. God still loves Tebow, by the way. Wake up in the morning. I just, I don't know. I feel like going to church today. You know how many times as a pastor, I don't feel like going to church on a Sunday? Yeah. Let, me, let me borrow your hands and we will count them up right now. Okay. I thought about it, actually. I thought about, what if I just didn't show up? Turned off my phone, stayed in my PJs, and just didn't even watch the live feed. Just like, I might do it. I know we got great leaders and they can handle it. I just don't know if I'd be able to handle it. <laughs> What's happening right now? <laughs> They're going to remember to take up the tithes and offerings because every pastor has to. You know? yeah. These people understood. Do we understand? When we wake up on Sunday morning, do we think about, you know, I don't really feel like going today, but what, what if it's not about you? What if you coming to church has nothing to do with you? What if you coming to church, what if you coming and sitting in the same seat you always sit in? What if that day someone would come and sit next to you that does not know Jesus? That has never called upon the name of the Lord to be saved? What if that Sunday it was not about you? What if it was about them? And you simply struggling to get out of bed, get on your clothes, take a shower first, get on your clothes, get here to church, and sit in that same chair that you sit in every week. What if it wasn't about you? What if at that moment, and you begin to worship, and you begin to praise Jesus, something happens in the person next to him, and they're like, well, what is this? 
And because of your faith, that person gets radically touched by the grace of God that day because you said it's not about me. I'm going to get out of bed today. I'm going to go sit in that same chair because somebody might show up today that's worse off than I am. Somebody might show up today that needs to know Jesus. Somebody might show up today that can't get to Jesus on their own. And my faith might do something in their life. Well, pastor, I don't know if that's how it works. Read the Bible. He saw their faith. What if, what, if, what if your worship was just enough of the lifting up of that corner of the cot? You begin to worship, and that person's like, whoa, what's happening? And all of a sudden, it raises their, their, their faith level a little bit, and you're, you're picking up their cot. What if the person on the other end said, said you know what? I'm going to worship God with everything I have today. And all of a sudden, that cot gets raised, and all of a sudden, it begins to carry them into the presence of God. Your worship means something on a Sunday. I'm just not feeling it. I don't like that guitar riff. I don't like that song. I don't even like that song. I don't even know if that song's theologically correct. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> Half the songs we sing in church aren't theologically correct. You stole in my heart. That makes God a thief. God ain't a thief. <laughs> that song is theologically incorrect. Because if God's a thief, I'm going to go rip somebody off today and be completely fine with it. <laughs> what if? What if you realize it wasn't about you? What if it was about the person that's going to be sitting behind you, seeing you raising your hands? What if it's going to be about the person sitting next to you that's like, well, what's up with this person? What if it's about them? What if you got your eyes off of yourself and got your eyes on the crowd and realized that every Sunday when I come, I have the ability with my faith to impact somebody else? Forget church. What about work tomorrow? Never mind you got a holiday. Tuesday. Oh, I stay up with culture. I know you have. <laughs> are, are you hearing what I'm saying? Well, what, what if we finally got to the place that said, you know what? My gifts, my talents, the things that God created with me, they can be used to, to impact the church. But yeah, we have this mystery. I mean, they don't need me. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm really good with children. But I mean, the children's ministry, they look like that. They're stacked. They got it. We're not. We need you. <laughs> But what if you had that thought, like, you know what, what, what do I have to offer? What do I have to give? But yet there's a child that shows up that day that needs exactly what you have. Maybe there's a child that shows up one day and he's there and he just lost his father. And if you would say yes to helping out in, in, in that ministry, you could come alongside and say, you know what, young man, I know what it's like because I lost my father too. About a year and a half ago, I was serving in the children's ministry. Why? Because they needed someone too, and someone else was preaching. So I looked at my wife and said, hey, babe. I said, you need somebody, I'll do it. But Ben, you're the lead pastor. Now, I'm, yes, but I'm, I'm just a believer like anybody else, and I like kids. And I went in, and that day, two young men showed up that lost their father. It was, it was Chris's, Chris's friend. And I remember being in children's ministry that day, and I, had, I didn't know yet. I just happened to find out in the ministry that day. And I'm playing, I'm playing like, like logs or something with this young man. I and mean, he's like, like five, six years old. I just said, how are you doing? He said, I really miss my dad. I said, what do you mean? He began to tell me the story. But his dad got tragically killed. And at that moment, I was able to relate because I had just lost my dad. What if we got to that place where we realize, you know what? 
church isn't about me. What if we got to the place where these four guys did? They said, you know what, there's a whole lot of other people out there worse off than I am. And you know what, I can, I can worship today. You know what, I can, I can stand at the door and I can, you know what, I can. He just said, because I understand the true value of community. It's not about what I can get. It's about what I can give. It's about what I can contribute. It's about what I have to offer. We got community groups out there today. Most people, when they come to Connection Weekend, what, what, what community groups do you have for me? Now listen to me. I'm not negating the fact that there are people here in need and you need something. We exist for you. I'm talking to the people that have been a part of Urban for years. And you know why we exist. What if we could come along with our faith and begin to lift up a corner of the cot? Listen to me. Urban church exists for the crowd. We exist to reach people who are far from God. That's why we're here. But I'm telling you this. God has been doing something in our church to get us ready for the crowd. I believe with all my heart that 2012, that your faith is going to begin to pick up the corner of some cots. That your faith is going to begin to pick up some people, some crowds, and get them to Jesus. What if that same mentality happened today as you walked out of here and you said, you know what? I'm not a parent in need, but I'm a parent who can give. What, what, what if you walked out and you said, you know what? I'm good. I got lots of friends. I don't need a community group, but what if someone needs you? that's going to be in that community group? What if we truly understood that the value of community is not in what we can get, but what we can give? God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is amazing. God, we thank you that your word is what transforms people's lives. God, worship's great. It softens hearts and opens up that we understand all, but man, it's the word that comes forth that transforms our life. Hallelujah. And you're, you're here this morning, and before we, before we even walk out that door and sign up for a community group, before you, we even pass a bucket so you can drop your offering in and, and your, your, your comment card in, before we even get to that point, you are here today and you're in the crowd. No, not in the crowd that attends church often, but you're in the crowd that's far from God and you need Jesus today. You need Jesus Christ. We're here for you. We're here for you to introduce you to Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, the life. We've been introducing him to you all service long. He's a good God. He cares for you. He cares about what you're going through. He doesn't want you to stay in that place that you're at. He wants to move you further along. We see it all through the Bible. Bible is all about progression. Huh. And you're here today. And you don't know Jesus. I want to invite you to make that step. How does that happen? Real simple. Yes, you believe in your heart. Confession is made unto salvation, but it's doesn't stop there. 
When you invite the Holy Spirit in, something begins to happen on the inside. He'll point you in the right direction. He'll challenge you. He'll encourage you. He'll be your greatest comforter. He'll be your greatest advocate. And you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm, I'm not right with Jesus. I'm not right with Jesus and I need to be. If that's you, we're here for you today. And this church is here for you today. And this church wants you to be a part of it. Your story fits here and connects here. 